From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. My grandma, my grandma Cronin, uh, was a firm believer in fairies and um, like Santa Claus and myths and oh man, she just would tell these stories and we would just buy them hook, line, and sinker. She once told me that if I laid really still in the grass on my belly that it, and really quietly that you could see fairies running through the grass out in the orchard. And um, so I would just lay out there for hours watching, waiting for fairies to run by, um, which in hindsight was brilliant because how do you get a kid to like just chill and be quiet in the grass for a half an hour while you cook dinner? You tell them some magical story like that. This is Scott Yates. I'm a multimedia journalist at the Register Star. And that's my guest today, visual artist Jenny Matthews. Matthews is a Rockford native, the co-owner of 317 Art Collective, a book illustrator, a muralist, a roller derby athlete, and a mom. Her work ranges from small-scale watercolors and ink drawings to large-scale murals. Words like obsession, magic, and wishing are all themes she threads throughout her work. You can find her work on the walls of city landmarks like the Rockford Art Museum, the Discovery Center, the Rockford Public Library, and starting on May 15th, you can find her leading a group of muralists painting a building at the 400 block of East State Street in Rockford. This is all part of the week-long creative transformational art festival. Matthews is a great storyteller, and today we'll hear about plastic-eating jellyfish, kids drawing on the walls, and the summer of art. Let's drop in on our conversation now. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me here on our podcast from the newsroom, Rockford Register Star. Thanks for having me. You didn't have to travel too, too far because you are co-owner of the 317 Art Collective. I am. Just across the street on Market Street. I am. And we've spoken to your cohort, Laura Gomel, in a previous podcast. So this is kind of part two to her conversation. <laughs> we've now got the other half of that dynamic duo making great art and fostering the creative community here in Rockford. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you, I should say to our guests out there in Radioland, you are dressed appropriately for the occasion. You've got a <laughs> I do. Uh, creative shirt on. Literally, it says creative, transformational art. I also like that it says create one five. Um, I see what you did with that. I know. I, well, I didn't do it. I wish. This is a brilliant logo. Yeah. So, Jenny, you're known for your illustrations, your hand-drawn illustrations, mm -hmm. both in large format and in the small scale. Can you, in your own words, kind of briefly describe what you are working on? Um, in general, what I do is I obsess about things. So, um, my illustrations, you'll see, um, well, I did some books last year, so I was able to obsess about bugs for a little while or um, a couple years back I did a, a series of bumblebees and I did a hundred of them like I enjoyed doing a thing and then I want to do it a whole bunch um, 
So uh, the murals are the other end of that. I mean, they're not little tiny hand-drawn illustrations. They're big, giant ones, but I'm able to obsess on a large scale. Um, so really, that's, I guess, the gist of what I do is I just like a thing, and then I want to do it a whole bunch. <laughs> Excellent. So your prolific style allows you to obsess on a work, both uh, in extensive series uh, in the large scale and in the small format. You have just finished a comic book themed mural at the Rockford Public Library. Um, And it's funny that your latest mural at the library has that comic feel vibe to it because you have done some illustrations for uh, children's books and and other things. So um, what is it about that small scale illustration that keeps you motivated to make so much of your work, to be so prolific? Um, actually, I think I originally started uh, in college. My mom uh, was a de- designer. She designs fire sprinkler systems, and I would um, go into her work. I was the receptionist at her place, and they would use these little technical pens, um, repeatograph pens. They're just gorgeous little things. They use India ink, and they have a little pinhole for where the ink comes out and I fell in love with them they just make this beautiful little teeny tiny line and so I would sit at work as the receptionist and and draw little doodles all day and so I fell in love with these pens and when you have one of these pens um, they're kind of expensive they're 35 40 bucks and they come in all different sizes Uh, and if you don't use it every day that little pinhole where the ink comes out dries up and so I started to do a little drawing a day when um, uh, later in life when I decided to buy one of these pens this was maybe 10 years ago and I would post my little doodle every day and that evolved into um, sometimes I would get a challenge from someone like can you draw Oh, I don't know. There was like an armadillo tending bar. Um, I did one called, I did a series called Celery Man, and it was just a guy in a celery suit, like (laughs) walking around bowling or grocery shopping. Um, But it was actually practical. It was to get that pen out and use it every day so that I didn't have to buy another one. Um, And so that was the beginning of tiny drawings or these tiny illustrations that I was doing. And then people started to ask, hey, I'd like you to, could you do this tiny drawing for me? And um, I uh, met uh, Thomas Waltenberg, who said, would you like to do a children's book with me? And that was uh, the very first book that I did. That was, um, gosh, like seven years ago now. Um, And that kicked off my illustrating I'm sorry, did that answer the question? It, I forgot what the sure question did. was. I rambled no. a long time there. The, there is no right or wrong answer here. We're, we we want to get into the mind of the artist on this podcast series, and you're doing just fine. You're letting us know your inspirations, your beginnings, and uh, and uh, yeah. eventually we'll get to where you're going here. But I always, I, I always like to draw. Um, my folks tell the story when I was a little kid. I would draw on the walls, and my dad was a butcher, and he ended up bringing... They couldn't stop me. They kept painting the wall, and it got tiresome, and my dad uh, brought a roll of butcher paper home and hung it at my height, and they just let me draw on the walls. So, you know what? I suppose that mural thing started early, huh? Well, that's a perfect segue. <laughs> so you got your start doodling at uh, with your mom's 
pens yeah. and, and, uh, well, and art. I, I'd always made art. Yeah, my mom's an art. My dad, both my parents are artistic, extremely. So we always had art supplies, always. So you are a parent yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you taking some cues from your own parents who are very supportive of your craft? Are you, in turn, uh, instilling oh, an art life in yeah. your own kids? Yeah, uh, my entire dining room is decorated with artwork from the kids, and we always have art supplies, and I never yell at them for drawing on their pants or painting their backpacks or, yeah, absolutely. I hate to keep harking on your fashion choices here, but you also are have got some paint smudges on your own jeans here this morning. You're very much <laughs> a working artist. How do you balance your work and family life? Um, I'm... I don't know that I do very well. Um, yeah, there's paint on everything in my house, every kitchen towel, every surface. I have like one really nice dining room table and I keep it in the basement because I know that if it comes upstairs, it'll end up with paint on it. I'm like waiting for that time when I don't, I don't know. I should just bring it up and get paint on it and get it over with. <laughs> You just finished the mural at the Rockford Public Library, and to do so, part of your working process, part of your creative process is at your home studio, and it sounds like your whole home is or can be a studio itself. Tell us the, tell us how much furniture you had to rearrange (laughs) in order to create this Rockford Public Library mural. Well, uh, I moved my desk out of the way, several shelves, all the artwork off the wall. Um, Anytime I do a mural that I'm able to do at the home studio and then transport to where it gets installed, this is the process. So everything kind of gets disassembled and scooched into other rooms. And uh, then I screw the mural that I'm working on to the wall and get paint all over everything for a week. Um, Additionally, like those are the weeks that I think my kids secretly love it because I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can have cereal for dinner. It's fine (laughs) because I'm working and I'm, you know, oftentimes working late or um, they like to ask me favors when I'm deep in the middle of things. And I say, yeah, 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 you can watch that movie here. Um, so this week, yeah, the, the mural at the public library was installed yesterday. And then I have a couple days before the next project starts. So this week I'm spending putting my home back together and getting caught up on the laundry and scrubbing the dining room, the acrylic paint off the dining room table. <laughs> so you're, but the segmented uh format of your mural creation uh, where you can temporarily tack it to your home studio wall Mm -hmm. and then take it apart and reinstall it at its final destination is actually pretty apt for our public library because its current spot is is itself a temporary location. Eventually, we will get a new library across the street from there and... uh, hopefully your mural will uh, be oh, moved over so. to the new location. Yeah, I, I learned that from, I did... Um, and that's opposed to being a permanent uh, paint layer on the structure itself. Yes. We should make that clear. Yes. Um, the Im- the, the, the um, ability to be removed and reinstalled is a unique aspect to the, the your creative process. 
I, I actually learned it from the Discovery Center. Um, they asked me to work with them on the treehouse uh, room that they have. They're currently up on the second floor, and uh, they um, move their exhibits around. So they asked that I do um, life-size trees um, on its eighth-inch plywood that is really smooth on one side, and then they ended up um, cutting it out and screwing it to the walls there, and then I came back in and did the touch-ups, but because their exhibits move around, um, they're able to move those trees all over the place. Um, that was a weird year of making trees. Um, I did, I, we had the, uh, the big installation at the Rockford Art Museum, and I um, painted 127 trees there to create this life-size forest at the Rockford Art Museum. And then, um, life-size, they were life-size trees. And then uh, the Discovery Center said, hey, we'd like to have you do these trees also. And I did a tree mural at the Montague branch of the Rockford Public Library that year too. So I spent an entire year painting life-size trees. Uh, just a whole forest. Obsessing. <laughs> That's a common thread in your work. It is. And you're using uh, your obsessions for good and not for evil <laughs> and for creative, productive means and not uh, a hindrance. So, I try. So kudos to you for that. <laughs> fantastic. This is a fantastic segue uh, to your next project that you already have in the works called Creative Transformational Art. It's a part of the mural festival happening in uh as we record this next week yes tell us a little bit more about your uh, your mural well um i'm doing three dandelions a uh, little baby one that'll be um hasn't yet opened up um real small and then next to that will be um like the which you're used to, which you think of a big yellow fluffy one and then the third one will be the biggest and it's the big wish and this actually goes harkens to a lifelong obsession I've had with like wishing and magic. Um, my, my grandma, my grandma Cronin, uh, was a firm believer in fairies and um, like Santa Claus and myths. And oh man, she just would tell these stories and we would just buy them hook, line and sinker. Um, she once told me that if I laid really still in the grass on my belly that, and really quietly that you could see fairies running through the grass out in the orchard. And um, so I would just lay out there for hours watching, waiting for fairies to run by, um, which in hindsight was brilliant because how do you get a kid to like just chill and be quiet in the grass for a half an hour while you cook dinner? You tell them some magical story like that. But... I've always been extremely interested in um, wishbones and birthday wishes and, um, you know, blowing on dandelions um, or finding four-leaf clovers, uh, things like that. I just have this uh, mental list running of stories that involve that, personal anecdotes and uh, lists of things that are, you know, wishing on a star, all of that sort of thing. Um, so... Uh, this mural is just, um, it means a lot to be able to put a wish on the wall for anyone that walks by. 
That's very beautiful. Thank you for all of your hard work and uh, beautiful work uh, making Rockford a more beautiful place. And we'll have a link to all of the specific information for the Creative Art Transformational uh, Transformational Art Project uh, happening in mid-May in the description of this podcast and online at rrstar.com. So, Jenny, you have a wonderful uh, obsession for art making and it shows in your past work and in your present work. One thing I love to touch on in this podcast uh, when discussing movers and shakers in Rockford is where are we going now? We can see what you're up to. We can see where you've been. And it's up to creative movers and shakers like yourself to lead us into the future. What do you, what do you think uh, is the future of art in Rockford? Oh, goodness. The future of art in Rockford? I don't know. It's booming right now. Um, I I think that we're experiencing this real renaissance that is happening um, across the Rust Belt. I I see it in Detroit and Milwaukee and here. Um, We did, um, last fall, um, I participated uh, in um, an art show called the... It was a future symposium, and we asked artists to... Um, I, I, I was inspired by these um, cartoons from the 1950s. Do you remember the Bugs Bunny cartoon that was like Kitchen of the Future, and everything folded and unfolded in the car of the future, and the guy takes the little pill out of his um, pocket and flips it open, and it unfolds into the giant car. And so in the, in the 50s, when there were all these great inventions happening... Um, a lot of them, uh, I think, were spurned by the arts first. Um, for instance, if you think about sci-fi or Star Trek, um, uh, uh, the sci-fi writer or the artist thought of this fantastical thing first. And then um, the consumer, the person that consumed that art, uh, saw that idea and it became part of the general lexicon so for years we would talk about where's my flying car and joke about that until it became a normal everyday thing that we all talked about and then it was invented and eventually now we all have personal flying drones That's while they're right. not personal vehicles yet we yeah. now all have the simple ability to go to walmart and find something that we can fly around our airspace or video phones or a watch that monitors your heart rate or um uh, robot doctors we have that in surgery you know all the time um so but i i think all of these things were first imagined by some artist a hundred years ago and so as an inspiration from that um and just seeing uh, this speaks to me, or I want to talk about like two separate but together things. So we did this art show last fall and we asked artists to imagine a hundred years into the future. And um, for a lot of us, it was difficult. We, as, uh, as a generation, have such nostalgia worship where we are always talking about how great it was in the 80s and the toys that we played with in the good old days that we just weren't used to 
maybe looking forward and dreaming way forward. And so it took me months to get beyond when you ask a, a person like, what do you see 50 years from now? Oftentimes they'll come up with things that are happening now. And you have to say, no, 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 what's beyond 3D printing a new body part? What's 50 years past that? And it, it's a, you have to retrain your mind to become extra creative or to think that far in the future. Um, so it was an exercise for me and my cohorts and everybody that was in that art show. Um, and we saw some brilliant things come out of that show. And then when I kind of looked out into the city and realized um, the arts come first in the city too, um, kind of for downtown I saw the galleries move in and the arts were happening here and then the restaurants. And if you look at, like I said, some of these big cities, Detroit and um, Madison, Milwaukee, the artists move in first and make uh, make a, a block exciting, and then the restaurants come, and then the hotels come, and then, you know, so it's, it's a slow progression, but I think you have to dream it before you can do it, and the artists are the dreamers of our society, of, or of, of the city. Um, you have to have that crazy vision first, and then you talk about it, and you get people excited about it, and then those things start to happen um, for the city. I mean, for for bigger things, it happens slower, but it's it's actually kind of happening really fast downtown now, and that's exciting to me. I can't wait to see where we're going to be. Um, so the other thing is, well, you asked me originally where I think art is going. Um, what I what I think is exciting that is happening in the art world here is collaborations. So you're seeing uh, music paired with painting or dance um, paired with an evening of food um, and these general collaborations. I think that the art community down here um, firmly believes that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if, if you're successful or my neighbor is successful, that's good for me too. And so it's to our advantage to help each other and make a community and, uh, a, and a district that where everybody is involved and everybody has a hand in it. Um, the way social media has taken off is a testament to that, um, how successful and amazing collaboration is. And so I think that that's maybe where the future is going. Yeah, I, oh, I also see, um, this, the pendulum swings all the time, and I see it going from digital back to analog. Um, I know a, a ton of people who, like, I, I hand draw, and all of a sudden that's very exciting to people. Um, and I have friends that um, take film cameras and shoot analog film. Uh, we did a big typewriter show, and everybody was super excited about the typewriters. So I think we're the pendulum's swinging a little bit back to... Um, how to do things without computers a little bit. And that's kind of exciting to me too, um, because it's pulling in that nostalgia into the future of uh, what we're doing. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your vision of the future there, Jenny Matthews. Uh, I have to go back to uh, the beginning of your piece there. Uh, what is 
what was your future art piece when you had to answer that question for you for yourself and create artwork what or in other words what piece now do you want to be looked back on in a hundred years as the beginning of Oh, I sure the hope, future revolution. I sure hope that that somebody. Um, okay, so I I imagined. I think some of the most interesting things that um, are are happening on the planet right now have to do with um, uh, DNA. I mean, obviously, this is a new discovery, and it's very exciting. And oh, you know what? I'll tell you the story about Alba, the the rabbit. So somewhere in uh, the early. 2000s, I was super discouraged as an artist. I wasn't doing it full time, um, but I, I just I got it stuck in my head that everything had been done. Like there was nothing new under the sun to be drawn or thought of or written about, or it was just, it had been done and these were all just variations and remixes of old things. And then on the internet, I discovered Alba the Rabbit, um, there was an artist who took, um, I want to say jellyfish DNA and crossed it with a rabbit and invented a glow in the dark rabbit. And it blew my mind. I hadn't, and, and then I, 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 at that moment I decided I'm just not thinking hard enough. I'm just not trying hard enough. There are, a, there's an infinite number of things that have not been thought. I just, because the Didn't next step after that is how do you how do you combine a glow in the dark rabbit with something else, and well, the process continues science infinitely. Science is using these little glow in the dark animals for all kinds of fun things um, in their studies. Um, it's just terribly interesting. So I built on that when we did the future show. Um, I decided that it would be amazing. Uh, we've experienced some jellyfish blooms in the ocean recently um, from climate change. And these armies of jellyfish are just kind of invading spaces. Um, and I decided that it would be incredible if oh, uh, uh, just recently they also um, engineered or discovered an enzyme that eats plastic faster than anything else. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could take the DNA from those enzymes and cross it with jellyfish that are experiencing these population booms and make armies of jellyfish that would go out into the ocean and eat plastic. And so for the art show, I built an 18-foot jellyfish that hung from the ceiling called Ida the Plastic Eater. And her tentacles or tendrils hung down and, and they were glowing and had uh, like plastic bags and milk jugs all in there that she was munching on. Um, and yes, someone please do this. It, it could save us all. That's fantastic. Where can we see your plastic eating jellyfish now? Oh, it's not anywhere. It's at my house. <laughs> well, we'll, was, we'll all take a field trip to your house then. <laughs> it was um, it was just for the art show. We, it was at Angelic Organics hanging in their barn uh, for the whole month of October. And now it's in my basement. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first, folks. The future of environmental conservation and protection is hiding in Jenny Matthews' basement <laughs> in Rockford, Illinois. One thing I really love to do with all of my guests is troll their Instagram feed oh. and find something intriguing to talk about. Uh, do you have a, per I should know this already. Do you have a personal Instagram account? 
No. Okay. Well, the personal one is my art Instagram account. But oh, sure. What you maybe didn't do, know do, is yeah. I skate roller derby. I skate roller. Well, that's, oh. I skated with. Um, you have an extracurricular activity? I've, you mean you have a life outside I of family do. and art? What? I do. Um, I skated roller derby for 12 years. Um, I skated with Rockford and Beloit and Houston. And then I came back and played with Rockford a few more years. And then I coached. And now um, I referee. Yeah. I've been involved in roller derby since, almost since it came, made its resurgence, 2006. I love it. That's fantastic. Is that sphere of your life completely separate from your creative life or is there what's the tie-in here um no it kind of is absolutely separate i mean it's it's a very creative sport you get to create your own persona and be uh kind of be your own superhero um and uh kind of like a not a maybe like a sorority because anywhere you go when I, I moved away I immediately went to roller derby game and had 80 friends just like that um, because we all have this crazy obsession shared experience uh, interest yeah and it, it crosses over a little bit into some other things for instance um, last year um, some of the girls that I skate with decided that we were going to go bowl skating and do ramps and so I did that for a little while last summer and it is so fun um, so I got a little bit involved here in town with uh, skateboards and um, our skateboarders here and we don't have a skateboard culture here in Rockford at all do we <laughs> and I say that in all sarcasm by the way yeah so I've met some nice nice pals um, there and uh, yeah I skate probably three four times a week that's fantastic that's really cool now to answer my to in closing here what is your instagram account uh, i can't believe i don't know this already. jenny 1396 it's it's mostly art i try and post something new every day for our listeners out back home if you want to find and follow jenny matthews art endeavors and a few of her extracurricular activities you can find her on instagram at jenny 1396 and to kind of wrap up this conversation i one thing I love to do with my guests is troll their Instagram feeds and find something interesting and intriguing and delve into that a little bit. Selfishly, I am a photographer and I have immediately latched onto this drawing of a analog <laughs> camera. I think it's an analog camera, yeah. but it looks like it's one of your small scale sketches. It is. That's one of the tiny drawings um, from, and you'll see it's tagged oldie but goodie. Um, back when I was trying to keep my pen from drying up because I was illustrating something, I did a tiny drawing every day. Um, they were little six by six inks. And so you'll know if you follow my Instagram, if you see one of those little tiny ink drawings, it's because I'm working on something that is secret that I can't post about. So um, for instance, I was working on the mural for the Rockford Public Library and I couldn't really post about it yet. Um, so I pulled back from my catalog of tiny ink drawings and put that one up. Um, okay, so uh, a yeah. glimpse into your workflow here. If we are seeing a whole bunch of s tiny sketches on your Instagram feed, it actually means you've got something bigger in the works. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned. We will see great things from Jenny Matthews. Yeah. Before I hit stop, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would like to mention to our listeners? 
Oh my gosh, we have a million uh, really super fun art things coming up this whole summer. Um, besides the mural festival, 317 is working on doing a block party on Memorial Day. Um, Rockford Art Museum has a block party coming up Memorial Day weekend also. Um, BD is art festival. There's Rockford Battle is happening in July. There's two new galleries popping up downtown. I mean, it's just, it's the summer of art. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's just the little bubble I live in and I'm super excited about everything that's about to happen. But um, Oh, and Division and Company just opened up. Um, I'm just so excited about everything happening along that little stretch of Market Street and State Street. And Rolney Golan is right there at the underground. So the okay. collaborations that are about to happen downtown are just going to be maybe epic. <laughs> so, is the word. Yeah. Fantastic. So we have all of that to look forward to in what Jenny is calling the Summer of Art. <laughs> Again, yeah. Jenny, thanks so much for stopping by the Rockford Register Star Newsroom. This has been great. Thanks for having me. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.